0: Oh,
1: <laughs> and good morning. Broadcasting right now on the air, live. A brand new show. What will happen? You never know.
0: Woo woo
1: woo woo woo
0: woo woo woo
1: woo woo Quack 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 quack. I'm shot out of a cannon right now. That's right. Shot out of a cannon. Quack, 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 quack. Quack, quack. Shot out of a cannon. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Shoot me out of the cannon right now. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Send me over to the Middle East. That's the sound of happiness right there. All right. Pretty great start to the show. You'd think something big was going to happen today. Probably not. This is probably the highlight. I uh, watched the Grammys a little bit. I stayed up <clears throat> through the memoriam. Oh, did you? Yeah, I saw That's the memoriam. right? Yeah, well, I went to sleep. Then I woke up and I fast-forwarded a little bit. You know, it was that kind of situation. So I see. Yeah, it was all good. I, I tried uh, watching,
2: and the very first thing I saw was SZA uh, performing, but you couldn't hear her.
1: And oh I, yeah, I didn't really see that. I don't know where how I missed yeah, that.
2: That was at the you know uh, probably twenty minutes into the show. Hello and world. I just thought, oh my goodness, if every performance is going to be like this, these poor people.
1: Yeah, I uh, you know I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I don't want to you know sugarcoat it, but. I didn't enjoy the uh, Grammys all that much. I don't know. If you really want to get into uh, a music special, you gotta watch uh, Netflix has a documentary on the making of We Are the World, and it's really good. Did you see it by chance? You
2: you forget how powerful and what a business it was to get that all together and so it's interesting to hear the stories and to hear people talking about their performances and what it took to get there and all that stuff it, it is fascinating one song very fascinating
1: yeah i uh i watched that i really liked it Um uh, i learned a bunch of stuff on that too i always was fascinated by it, but I didn't even realize, like, here's what I didn't know, and I'll tell you what I know now. So when they made We Are the World, which was kind of legendary, you remember the whole situation, there was a lot of starvation in, uh, Africa, and, um Bob Geldof, who was really popular at the time, he had this song, uh, We Don't Like Monday, or I Love Mondays, or some, uh, what the fuck it was, you know. I don't, I don't like don't Mondays. Yeah, he didn't, I can't remember whether he liked them or not. <laughs> He either liked Mondays <laughs> or hated Mondays. I don't know what his something story was. Something about Monday. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was over in, in England where most great musical ideas come from for some fucking reason. I mean, the Beatles and the Stones. Enough said. But uh he was over there and he wanted to do something about it. So he kind of was like, uh, I'll make a song. And he did a song. And uh it was pretty popular. And it was like all British dudes like George Michael, boyd George Marilyn, uh there was uh who the fuck else was in it but it was all British guys, and they and put wasn't together it a, a Christmas
2: song, song? Did
1: yeah it was it's something Christmas like Christmas at all or
2: after all, or
1: something yeah like in Africa where people are starving, do they know it's Christmas and I don't even think they're Christian there, right? They have some other religion, but anyway. No,
2: there are a lot of Christians there. On there.
1: I don't Remember know anything all about the
2: colonization? it.
1: I just know I'm not going there because there's too many wild animals and I don't want to see <laughs> lions. <laughs> I don't like, I, he doesn't like Mondays. I don't like lions running around in the street. Anyway, uh, I don't like lions. That's my song. <laughs> so Bob Geldof, who didn't like Mondays, yeah, that's confirmed. He does not like Mondays. <laughs> and I kind of agree, being this is Monday and I'm miserable. But, uh, yeah. So uh, he put together a song to save Africa and get some food happening there. And because, I don't know, it was it was pretty popular and I think it raised a lot of money and he became a sir. He became Sir Bob Geldof because yes. he raised money for Africa, which is cool. and he was also the creator of Live Aid. The guy did like some amazing things. And then I think a bunch of people felt really bad in America. Uh, especially, um, it, it was pointed out in the special. A couple of black guys got together and said, Hey, why where was this white boy saving Africa? We got to do something. This is bullshit. <laughs> so I think Quincy Jones, Michael Jackson, and Lionel Richie got together and decided they better step up and save Africa. So that's how that whole thing came about. And Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie were assigned to save Africa by writing a song, which is, you know, it's kind of a hefty uh, uh, a burden to put on your shoulders. Write a song that will save Africa.
2: But, you know, these were two of the, you know, biggest pop stars at the time, turning out sure. hit after hit. So you'd yeah. think it might work.
1: I got to say, I mean, everyone respects Michael Jackson musically, but I got mad respect for Lionel Richie, especially watching the special. That dude is awesome. I mean, really, just an awesome guy. I mean, not only can he, not only did he write a bunch of hit songs for the Commodores, then he had a solo career, and I mean, now he's for a
2: lot of other people too.
1: Yeah, the guy is pretty amazing. I was thinking I got to get my band together to save a continent. Maybe not Africa. That's a big, you know, that's a big task. Maybe we could save uh, something. a
2: little continent. Maybe a little
1: continent. Is there such a thing maybe as a, a little
2: country or a,
1: yeah. an island? <laughs> well, we did. We uh we're actually trying to save incontinence. That's what it is. <laughs> maybe we'll save Australia. That's pretty small, right? Isn't that a continent? It's
2: a, it's a big country, though.
1: Yeah, is it, country is it a country or a continent or is it both? I don't
2: uh know. I don't know if it's one of the continents
1: i'd have to. i love not to know we'll start with new zealand how's that
2: (laughs) there you go new zealand's not that big
1: australia is the smallest continent yeah well i'm gonna write a song that'll save australia but um, the
2: smallest continent
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) start there uh so getting back to this is for the younger kids out there i just want to you know uncle howard wants to give you the story of you know (laughs) what this was all about and so um, Lionel Richie, Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson, who were the biggest names in pop right back then, uh, they they wrote a song and they got in touch with a lot of people. So here the, the here's a couple of things I learned in that. It, first of all, they were smart. They planned the recording session on the night of the Grammys. Yes. So there was a bunch of artists already in Los Angeles and had worked out their schedules. So they asked them all to come over. And uh, most people did it. And it was pretty funny because, like, uh, guys like Bob Dylan showed up. And the best thing about this special is they've got, they actually have video of them making the song We Are the World. Bob Dylan, who's, you know, arguably certainly one of the greatest poets of uh, of that time. And, you know, his songs are unbelievable. But the dude was a fish out of water. He did not look comfortable. He was just miserable. He looked like if somebody asked me to save Africa, <laughs> and I'm standing there going, what? <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm corrected. It wasn't the Grammys. It was the night of the American Music Awards, which used to be a pretty oh. big deal. That's another thing that's kind of funny about watching the special on Netflix because... you. I you thought know.
2: you were right. I thought it was the Grammys. It was the No, American it was
1: the American Music, Music Awards. Awards. And Lionel Richie, the guy's guy's like a workhorse, man. The dude did, he was the host of the American Music Awards. He performed at the American Music Awards. And then right after the American Music Awards ended, which is like 11-ish, he goes over to the studio. You know, oh, it's out in L.A., so it's probably like earlier in the day. So probably 8 p.m., 9 p.m., somewhere in there. And he starts working on We Are The World to getting everyone together. And it's really kind of a clusterfuck organizationally because you got all these great artists standing there. And, you know, these people don't have a lot of time to be standing around. And so they're begging everyone, please be patient with us. We're writing a news. You know, the song's written, but we got to figure out who's going to do what. We got the arrangements. Right. It was fucking unbelievable. So Bob Dylan, it's like five o'clock in the morning. It's almost sunrise. He hasn't done his part. He's doing it. He can't get the fucking song out. St- he, he goes over to Stevie Wonder, who's a perfect mimic. Stevie Wonder's a mimic. And Stevie Wonder starts singing to Bob Dylan as Bob Dillingham teaching him how to do the song. As Bob That's Dylan. That's my favorite part. My favorite Me too. part is that, that part. That was, that was my favorite part too. So I, I, it sticks in my head. I, I was like, oh, I gotta talk about that. That is crazy. So like, Stevie Wonder's sitting at the piano he goes, Bob. We are the world. We are the children <laughs> He sings and then Bob goes he sings oh okay It's like Bob <laughs> He made it okay for a nervous Bob Dylan Yeah I after watching it I was like I wonder if Bob Dylan really wrote and recorded those songs maybe he's an impostor maybe You
2: think he's a fake now
1: He might be a fake Bob Dylan or so he couldn't even get the thing out then I learned another thing. Paul Simon said something real funny. He says, if a bomb lands on this place, John Denver is back on the top of the charts. There was every <laughs> big star there. It was unbelievable. And what was even more interesting was the people who were sort of currently hip at that time and now really aren't around as much. Like uh I saw Kim Carnes. Remember her? She had that hit. Yes. Um, Betty Davis Eyes or something. Betty was Davis that her?
2: Eyes. Yeah.
1: And uh, she was there. But like, you know. At the time, she was a big deal. And then, then I learned Sheila E at the time was a big deal, but she was dating Prince and they, she felt used. It was really interesting. She goes, I think they had me there, so I'd lure Prince in. Right. And when Prince didn't show up, I felt like, Oh wow, they didn't have me sing a solo. It was kind of uh, insulting. And I felt pretty bad for her watching that, but it was very interesting. And then Prince was such a kook, they kept begging him to come over and, uh, you know, be a part of this thing. Excuse me. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. You know, they kept begging the guy to come and do something, you know, sing, do, you know, he's Prince and he was the biggest star. Yeah. So he goes, no, 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 man, I can't possibly sing in front of all those people. He, he, all his usual bullshit. He's a genius, but what are you going to do? He says, "What I would like to do is a guitar solo in another room where no one can look at me." Right. <laughs> and they were like, uh, "Dude, we already have the music. We don't need a guitar solo. We need you here to sing." And he goes, "No, no, no." So he never showed up to help Africa.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He was a prince. And, uh, <laughs> and there were some other great things like Al Jarreau. He he was there. And you were like, wow, Al Jarreau was on We Are the World. Yeah, you forget that, but he was. And I guess he, the, the, the night had gone late and he drank so much wine that he was having trouble getting his part out. And, oh, geez. And then, <laughs> like, know, the night is. At
2: a moment like that,
1: you, it was fascinating. Know. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, what, what I'm trying to say is watch the special on Netflix. It's really good. I mean, if you, you really want to see some great moments uh is crazy and then like they had a couple of people like Bruce Springsteen now talking about the night yeah. and then they go then they flash back to Bruce Springsteen then. and they had a couple other people being interviewed and it was uh it was pretty great i forgot i forgotten billy joel was there billy joel was oh, there yeah. it was a great uh, night and but some
2: people aren't around anymore either like tina turner and...
1: yeah and uh yeah, it was, it was very cool. It was very cool to watch this song unfold, but it kept getting later and later in the morning. And it was like 5, 6 o'clock in the morning and Al Jarreau isn't getting his line. And then like at 3 o'clock in the morning, when th- and like a lot of artists are starting to get, you know, woozy or tired or questioning what they're doing there because it was a little bit disorganized and uh stevie wonder all of a sudden who has obviously like he's like this mad genius and he goes we should be doing this song in swahili and he was really adamant about it and he's stevie wonder so you got to give him mad respect but it was like like michael jackson and lionel richie had already written this and uh they're explaining to stevie the song really is so that you know people in america will contribute it's like and then they've had to break the news from that in Ethiopia where they're raising money for. They they don't speak Swahili. They don't speak and that. <laughs> I, think that fi- yeah, I think they finally got through to Stevie Wonder that they don't <laughs> speak Swahili <laughs> in Ethiopia. And so he let go of that. And then it took so long to convince Stevie that there wouldn't be any lyrics in Swahili that Waylon Jennings said, Look, man, I don't I don't sing in Swahili. And he left. <laughs> <laughs> he split. Listen, they could have had uh, complete anarchy and everyone could have walked out at that point, but. That's true. Yeah. But what, man, what a special. And I was watching the Grammys. I, it's sad. I didn't get the same feeling about music that I did with the We Are the World special, but, uh, but I thought it was cool seeing Bruce Springsteen and, and, and it was weird too. There was a guy on there, old guy, talking about what it was like in the studio. And I don't know. I didn't, they didn't flash his name up. I didn't, it was Kenny Loggins. And I was like, Oh man. You didn't
2: recognize Kenny Loggins. I didn't recognize,
1: did you recognize him? I didn't recognize him.
2: Well, I had to take a long, long look, but you know, he's still rocking the long hair. It's all gray.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) And, um, the other interesting thing was they were interviewing Cindy Lauper and this is fascinating. And it shows you how you got to think for yourself. It's a good lesson I learned. Uh, Cindy Lauper's management said to her, because they sent a demo to uh, Cindy Lauper, and uh, they said, listen, we don't think you should be doing this. This song's not going to be a hit. Ugh. And she was pulling out of the thing, and she was at the American Music Awards, and Lionel Richie pulls Cindy Lauper backstage and says, look, I really think, Cindy, you should be a part of this. This is really important. And she listened to Lionel Richie, much to her credit. And uh she showed up that night, and you know that performance is so she lifts that oh, whole yeah. song, Cindy Lauper. Yeah. She's unbelievable. And it's great when they were doing the recording, they were doing they got to Cindy Lauper's part and the microphones were all fucked up. They couldn't they were using the most expensive equipment. They were over at AM studios, and they can't figure it out. Cindy Lauper's singing this beautiful thing, they're like, sorry, Cindy, there's just all this noise in your microphone and it's not being recorded properly and blah. They realize it's her bracelets. She, the girl, wore so much jewelry. She's dancing around and shaking it up, and she's fucking up the whole sound. There's all these <laughs> bracelets in the back. So, and uh,
2: as a recording artist, she should know that, right?
1: I yeah, I don't know. They figured it out though, thank God, because her performance was amazing yeah. on that thing. Yeah, and, it, and as you said, it was interesting. Who wasn't there too? Like, um, like Madonna didn't participate. And um, at Prince, I told you, Sheila E. felt used. There was, you know, there was people who were noticeably absent.
2: Well, but... Sheila E., they said, leave your ego at the door.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. But she felt like, wow, what am I doing here? And then it dawned on her. Every, every couple of minutes, they are like, hey, call Prince and see if he'll come over. I get it. Huey Lewis was a monster in that thing, too. Had to come yeah. up with a harmony real quick, and he... Uh, What a musical talent that guy is. You forget about him, but at the time he was at uh, We Are the... me the chills that song it really does it's so beautiful like uh what an item rock and roll and it's crazy lionel richie was talking on that thing about how uh, michael jackson doesn't know how to write music in terms right. of the traditional writing down songs and he's describing that michael jackson would just uh, get a cassette player and he'd hum like the bass line and go boom boom you know, whatever right. the fuck it is and then he'd go hmm and then he'd say for the drum and He put each individual instrument on a different cassette and then you play it and somehow it was music. You know what I mean? It it was crazy. What a, what a talent that guy was. But uh, Lionel Richie said he had never worked like that. And he talked about the whole process of writing the song and it was kind of dragging on in the sense that they hadn't written anything yet and it was like, we got to write something. We got to write something. Then all of a sudden it poured out of them that whole we are the world thing. It's crazy. What a good special though, you know, I couldn't stop watching it. But and just you know, think the, the, about
2: that choir even, you know, that's some yeah. of the best voices in music.
1: Yeah, it's great to watch, but, uh, you know, watching the Grammys, I don't know. I didn't get that vibe. There was a couple of highlights. I am, uh, you know, I'm going to interview Billy Joel. We're going to be doing that, that in Miami, uh, in a week. I think on Valentine's Day or something. Anyway, Aww. yeah, nice. Billy Joel. Uh, whenever I get a chance to be with Billy and um I went on the internet and listened to his new song and I'm not saying it cuz Billy's coming in but I would just keep quiet, but I think that new song is spectacular. He hasn't done a song in 30 years and I've interviewed him about it and 30? he was just like, you know, 30 years he had is not put out really a new that song. Long? Yeah. Wow. 30 years. That's a. I gotta. Uh, when I interview him, I'm gonna. I hope. I don't even know if he. I guess he's gonna do this. The new song on the show and the other stuff no. too. We'll have a. He's not. No, he's, he's not doing.
3: Gonna, new, he's, he he's not doing the new song because I think he thinks it um it takes too many. He needs a full band with it. So what he's gonna do is oh. um he'll be he'll be sitting at a piano and he's gonna tinker and you're gonna ask him about songs he's gonna play.
1: The new song is called "Turn the Lights Back On." And, and I uh, don't
2: know what lights we're talking
1: about. I've I heard do that
2: a couple of times and I may immediately say, which lights are we talking about
1: now? I know exactly what light he's talking about. It's a pretty okay. heavy song and I think it's beautiful. My wife was listening. She started crying. Wow. And I, um, and I know what it is. The song is about, it's very clear. It's not, it's a very a clear message. In other words, there's not, it's not open for a lot of interpretation. In my opinion. Now this is me talking about, I've only heard the song like three times. But, you know, it's this song about, in life, how, let's let's use the example of a marriage or an intense friendship or your relationship with your children or whatever you want to talk about, a relationship, a deep relationship in life. And you, let's say, new love and you you're so in love and you're paying attention to this person and you're really nurturing and developing this intense relationship and then somewhere along the line you may realize that you haven't been watering the plant if i may use a metaphor you haven't been putting any time in with this person maybe you haven't said to them hey let's go watch a movie together let's go let's go out to dinner together let's let's spend time together you start to take the other person for granted And in the song, Billy's saying, oh my God, I've woken up, I realize I haven't been paying attention, and oh my God, maybe it's too late. Maybe I've let this relationship die on the vine to the point that I can't turn the lights back on. I can't say exactly when the lights went off, but I want to turn the lights back on, and maybe it's too late. Maybe... I've blown it here but would you hmm. give me a chance to try? Would you give me a chance to maybe develop that spark or whatever we had because I realize I don't want to lose you. And um I want to uh, let me play the, in, the the version of it from the internet not from uh
2: Yeah cuz I know Grammys. he performed it last night at the Grammys and I didn't yeah, get to hear but, the whole song. That's why I was
1: always wondering what the like but, but I i don't have a uh can somebody just put that up for me my board right next to uh whatever it is i have here but this but the song i thought was amazing i really did and uh according to what i've read now billy initially wanted to send turn the lights back on to adele he felt it would be a good oh. song for her and that's how he writes from what i've interviewed him and. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly no Billy Joel expert, but I've spoken to him a few times about this. A lot of times he channels somebody else. Like he, um, he, he goes, Oh, this is a, yeah, this money. is, this, w- I, he goes, I wrote this, I wrote New York State of Mind for Tony Bennett, or I was thinking of Ray Charles, or I was thinking of this one. And he, and he even sings it like them. Yeah. It's kind of like what Stevie Wonder did for, for, uh, for Bob Dylan that night. So he was, he had Adele in mind when he wrote it. But I listened to it, and I was immediately turned on to it.
2: Did he I send it, it was, to Adele, or did he not?
1: We're going to find out when I talk to him. Okay. That's a good question. Please. Can somebody put the, uh, open the door.
0: Nothing is different. We've been here before. Pacing these halls,
1: Trying Can you stop halls. this for a second? Give me control of the uh, board. Just put it up on my board. Oh, okay, you can't That's not the beginning of the song, guys. Anyway, so the song is beautiful to see if you can find the beginning. Uh the song was I'm late but I'm here right now. Though I used to be romantic, I forgot somehow. Time can make you blind, but I see you now. As we're lying in the darkness, did I wait too long to turn the lights back on? All right, now hit it. Okay. silence. <laughs> All right, let's try it again. Stop the song. Guys, stop the song. Go to the beginning of the song and hit the song. Is that the beginning? Nothing. Right. That's the version he- I have. I see. This is why I hate Mondays. You know, Bill, Bob. Play Bob Gildorf, I hate Mondays, and I'll I jump don't out the like window. Mondays. Yeah, no, I hate fucking Mondays. I want out. How do I get out of this nightmare? God, thank God, no one tasked me with saving Africa. Imagine I had to save Africa. Africa would be gone. I mean, Africa would be... You would see people with flies around their head. They would have no food. All right. All right. I, I don't care where it starts. It's fine. Let, 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 play a little bit of the song, Fred. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Please
0: open the door. Nothing is different. We've been here before. Pacing these halls. Trying to talk silence and pride sticks out his tongue laughs at the portrait that we become stuck in a frame unable to change I was wrong I'm
1: That gets me, man.
0: Here, stuck on a hill. Outsiders inside the home that we built. The cold settles in. It's been a long winter of and different. friends.
1: Voice sounds great. And maybe too.
0: you love me. Maybe.
2: called it it's the unintentional sort of a flinch like in a relationship like this where the people have forgotten how to love each other and and express it where a man touches a woman his wife and he he, he, she stiffens up Mm. and you know you can you imagine you know what that feels like when somebody does that And they were talking about how after a while in a relationship, a woman starts to, you know, that build up to the moment disappears. And so every time her husband touches her, she thinks it's about sex and she doesn't have time for it at that moment or she's not ready for it at that moment. And that's where that reaction comes from. I bet you everybody having that reaction can relate to this song.
1: You know, for me, it's so universal. It could be a father and a son. It could be a million things.
2: could be but, any kind um, of relationship, but he's talking about a love relationship, it sounds
1: like. Uh, it could be a father and a son. could be all kind of things.
2: Because they're laying in bed together. That's the only reason.
1: <laughs> well, it could be a lot of things. It could be a lot of things about turning that light back on. You were asking me what I thought it meant. So, uh anyway, I love yeah. the song.
2: And... uh Well, I just read that article and I was like, wow, that's interesting that, yeah, you know, they they don't have the buildup of the dinner and the conversation and all of that stuff. And then every time the husband touches her, she thinks, "Uh uh-oh, he wants sex and I don't have, I'm not ready for that
1: yet. So I was watching the Grammys and, uh, you know, I don't know, it it was okay. I mean, I love musicians and I love what they do, so I don't want to beat up on it too bad uh trevor noah was the host and he did the it was weird he did the opposite of a roast he he was like um he was like a cheerleader i mean but you ever wonder what the opposite of a you know when you go to a roast they they rip apart a person he didn't say one negative thing about anybody he he just was like a huge cheerleader for for people and
2: Maybe he watched that Joe Coy and said, Look, I'm yeah. not making any
1: mistakes. It, it, it was reverse <laughs> roast. It was like uh it was like, you know. You know how great Robin Quivers is? How great <laughs> is she? She's amazing. That was like that was that- <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Look yeah. at this Mark Ronson, one of the greatest producers
3: of all time. Huh? And get this, his mother-in-law is gonna be sitting right here. You know who she is? Meryl Streep. That's right. Meryl Streep, one of the greatest Meryl Streeps of all time. She's gonna be in this chair. So this room is insane. I've been looking around. Look at this. I just 21 Savage. Huh? 21 Savage, who, by the way, by the way, has already hit a billion streams in 2024. The year just started a billion streams.
1: Look at that. Look at that. 21 Savage is so great. You know how great, you know how great 21 Savage is? He always pays his taxes on time. He's got a great physique, got a great ass. He's 21 savage. He's fantastic.
2: You know, this is, what was that show we were talking about last week where the introductions <laughs> yeah. are so amazing?
0: That yeah.
2: the
0: <laughs> yeah. Shannon yeah. guy. Yeah.
2: Shannon Sharp. I <laughs> Shannon Sharp. Yeah. He's taking his, his, uh, cue. <laughs>
1: No one is safe, no one is off limits, from my admiration, and you will hear it tonight. In fact,
3: I actually listened earlier today, so it's a billion and one. You're welcome, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Doja Cat is here. Doja's in the house. Doja Cat, or should I say our new Jesus? If you haven't listened to her album, you are wasting your ears. One of the best pieces of work that has ever been put out. Doja Cat, put out a song, Paint the Town Red." It is a (laughs) banger about how she doesn't care what anybody thinks about her. Oh, really, Doja? Oh, really? Well, guess what? We
1: think you're pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I said what I... Take that, honey. Uh, and you know what else? You know what else, Robin? What? Doja Cat flosses every single day. That's why she has such great breath. I, I, I'm on fire. I'm so happy I'm going to deep throat everyone in this room. I'm so excited. They're all so great. Say it. Say said- it. Anyway, uh... Yeah, I didn't know, but uh, according to Trevor Noah, Doja Cat can heal the crippled. Um, <laughs> well, they had, I, get busy. She's not been doing her job. The red carpet again was hosted by Laverne Cox, oh. who uh, she too she she uses the word I've pointed that before, but every time she does the red carpet, she uses the word iconic a lot. Everyone yeah. there is iconic. Like I got to admit. I wouldn't mind going to red carpet and have her lather me up with some praise. Like, here's the icon. Oh, here's the iconic Howard Stern. What? Oh, your icon. I mean, she's a. Ah. The glamour of the Grammys
4: is upon us, but one thing is guaranteed. The fashion tonight will be nothing short of iconic. Joining me now is the icon, the legend, the one and only Babyface. I have to ask you right now, Lenny, how iconic are you feeling? The one and only, the icon, Janelle Monae. Joining me now is the iconic, the one and only Paris Hilton. You are such <laughs> a, an icon in so many ways, but a style icon. My brother is obsessed with you, so can you take Tell us the story you're telling with this look tonight. You look amazing. I'm like obsessed. Tell me everything. What's the story of this gorgeous look? I'm obsessed with this bodice. What's the story behind this look? What is the story of this beautiful look you're wearing?
1: You have to tell us about what you are wearing tonight. Wow.
4: (laughs) Thank you. I'm wearing, well, the story I'm telling with my look is blood and roses.
1: Wow. You heard it. No,
2: she had a story too. She came up with that.
1: It was very iconic.
2: But you notice uh, how they all, uh she got all flustered when they said, what are you wearing? Because you're not supposed to say that.
1: Right, right, right. You're supposed to say, what story are you telling with your outfit? Yes. What was the reason you're not allowed to say to anyone anymore that you. Because that was sort
2: of diminishing what they do for a living somehow. You know, like Hmm. these actresses and actors would come up and it was all about what are you wearing, not what do you do, why are you here. So then it became tell us the story of the dress because you obviously want to say something even with what you wore.
1: Oh. Who is this icon? Uh, excuse me, ma'am. I'm part of the lighting crew, but you have great tits. <laughs> what story are you telling with those tits? <laughs> uh, a lot of the, um, a lot of the new music. Again, I'm an old fart. You know, I I just celebrated a very ancient birthday, so. But a lot of it seemed wait, like a wait book. a
0: minute.
2: You know what was the most amazing thing to me? We're older than the Grammy.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah.
2: 66, sixty sixth annual Grammy, and I was and like, you
1: might not want to keep repeating. I'm older
2: that. than that.
1: <laughs> a lot of kids are tuning out now. I didn't realize our youthful sound doesn't <laughs> isn't reflected in our actual age. Um, yeah. So yeah. So a lot of it was like um, like. The artist Dua Lipa, who's very, very good looking, fun to look at. But I found that um, it was more like a Broadway show. I don't know. I'm, yeah,
2: there's a lot of production.
1: <clears throat> a lot of production value there. Yeah. Um. But, you know, listen, I, I like musicians. I love what they do. And, and they're so fucking talented. But Jesus Christ.
2: Well Dua Lipa was I think she's the one. She was having a good night and a bad night all on the same night because she's in a new movie with uh the guy who plays Superman and it was a Disney movie and it only mm. made eighteen million dollars at the box office and right. they paid they spent two hundred million making it. Yeah. So that was a Bad thing, and I guess you know, being at the Grammys was a good thing because that's where she's really supposed to be. She didn't make much of the box office.
1: I like seeing Tracy Chapman, I saw her on the Grammys, and yeah. uh, again, I get to see the whole thing. But uh, but I was kind of disappointed. I don't know who Luke Holmes is, he's a country guy, seems like he's a mm-hmm. pretty talented dude. But I guess he released a version of Fast Cars, yeah, introduced it to
2: a new audience, and so yeah.
1: So they sang it together, but I would have preferred yeah. to hear Tracy Chapman singing that on her own. I thought she got kind of fucked up from him joining in, but that's just me. Really?
4: Yeah. Got a fast car. I, to get
1: to I was like, whoa, this maybe is maybe good. Make
4: maybe together we can get somewhere. Any place is better. Starting from zero, got nothing to lose.
1: I'm like, oh, this is really good. And she's older now, and it takes on more meaning. And then all of a sudden, this dude shows up. You got a fast car, and I got a plane here, been at the store. I mean, he sings nice, but I, mean, I was like, whoa. The, the, the far, moment's kind of lost here.
0: Cross the border into the city.
1: Got beautiful voice. I'm not knocking the dude. It's just I think she needed a moment to herself. You know what I mean? I'm out of the moment now. Right. Anyway, just me. You know, I'm a music producer myself, not on a level of Mark Ronson, so I, I have a right to say all this.
2: Well, I heard somebody mm. highlighting this earlier this morning, and they called him the wrong name. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh But, you know, listen, it, it's cool. I, I still watch the Grammys, but. You know, Joni Mitchell showed up. I heard that Joni Mitchell was so ill that she couldn't sing anymore, but somehow she got up there and I didn't see it. I, I just heard. Well, about when
2: Brandy was here one of those times, you know, because yeah. she's been doing those things where they get together at her, Joni's yeah. house and they sing Joni songs. And uh she did say that little by little, Joni started to sing a little bit uh, uh at some of those
1: gatherings. Right. Uh Nikki, you're on the air in Canada.
3: Hi, Howard. Uh, yeah, you were just talking about Luke Holmes and and Tracy Chapman. Um, I'm thinking that maybe
2: she might make more of a comeback now, maybe put out some more songs. Maybe some other artists would want to work with her. She's so talented.
1: Yeah, well, it helps. So, I mean, Tracy Chapman's version of Fast Car went to number one on iTunes uh, right after the performance last night, which is, you know, that's a positive. I'm just yeah. saying... Uh, it was kind of cool to see Tracy Chapman and she's older and she had the gray hair and she's singing and I'm like, oh, this is really good. And then when the dude came in, he's even going, she's talking about, you know, she's singing his "I," and he's going you and I don't know, it took me out of the moment a little bit, so.
2: Yeah, I think I maybe, um, because I'm a big Luke fan as well, so maybe that's why it just, it made, it
4: really touched me The you know, that he brought her back and she was amazing. Yeah, I don't, it I don't go
1: just, for all that bullshit. I just want to see Tracy Chapman. That's me. <laughs> but, and, and, and by the way, I, I, if this Luke guy it. does it, I, I fine. Let Luke sing it. I don't need him. I don't need to, to make a super pairing. It's like uh, just let me see one or the other. That's me. I know. All right, Nikki. Enough. Let's not debate it. It's music. Who cares? It's all good. Uh, let's go to Marty. Marty uh, in Missouri. What's happening, pal?
0: Good morning, Howard. How are
3: you?
1: I'm pretty good, thanks.
3: Oh, yeah. Sorry, I
1: shouldn't be asking that on the radio.
3: So Yeah, I was going to say, what you said about Trevor Noah, um, you were saying he was so complimentary to all these truly amazing artists and sensations that he was amongst. And what I was thinking was, we live in this, we're kind of in this time now of being a troll online and talking some right. shit.
1: It was re- and- it's refreshing to see a guy be a fan and say, hey, look who's great and this and that. I just... I think it's hard for a com- I, I told you, I would never host one of those award show, and I- and I- t- I think Jimmy Kimmel does a great job at it, but I think it's a thankless job. It's Jim really Kimmel. difficult. Because what Trevor Noah did is what has to be done. If you're there to honor recording artists, you can't sit there and goof on them. I, I mean, goof on them from afar. You don't go to- don't go to their event and sit there and shit on them. So, uh, yeah, I think he's in a hard position, Trevor Noah. But um, it's just so. It's just I felt so bad for the guy. He's got to sit there and be like, like he, he, they should give him a baton and let him, you know,
2: bring out a marching band. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Do I some mean, tumbles.
1: Uh, <laughs> Trevor Noah is a comedian who you know takes things apart. And it, but sorry,
3: so you're it's, it's a hard gig.
1: Too. But yeah, but Marty, Marty, he did a good job. Uh, it's the only thing you can do. But comedians are sort of wasted when when they don't get to do what they do best, which is point out the funny stuff. You know, if I went on one of these award shows and I had to go up there, I'd want to be funny. I don't want to sit there. And I believe, I think Trevor Noah did what he had to do. He had to sit there and tell everyone how great they are. You know, you have to. What are you going to do, go up there? Look at that guy, Joe Coy, went up there. He tried to make a few jokes. They almost fucking, you know, killed the guy. They almost shot him. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: I haven't seen him.
1: <laughs> He's gone. I mean, no one's seen the guy since the, he hosted whatever he hosted, the Emmys or whatever. <laughs> the, <was laughs> the, guy, the
2: Globes, I don't. I think it was the
1: Globes. <laughs> Poor bastard was having a great career, playing sold-out <laughs> shows. He went and hosted a show, that people were ready to lynch him. Good Lord. Uh, Joe, Joe in, uh, New York. What up? Hey now, Howard. So
3: that new Billy Joel song, you're a hundred percent right. It's very touching, very moving. Uh, yes. I have to give a, sa- I have to give a sales meeting every week to about 40, 50 salespeople. And I decided to use that song as my opening. And a lot of people were wondering, boy, you know, a sales meeting, you got to try to get everybody up. And, and and uplifting their spirits and I played this song and people got emotional uh yeah. the link on you the link on YouTube has the lyrics so I had everybody crowd around the flat screen and read the lyrics as the song was playing and uh, people got emotional and then I I turned the message around I think you're hundred percent right with with Billy's message about it but I had to use it uh for my for my salespeople and I turned it around and I said you know listen the good thing about our business is that it's never too late to turn the lights back on. And That's right. There's always a great opportunity to restart. It's never too late.
1: And, That's a great uh, message. People, it's like if, you, if you're addressing a sales team and you go, you know what? You think about it. Maybe some of you had a passion in the beginning, and now you're kind of like, you know, eh, my job, I'm in a rut, I'm this and that. You could turn the lights back on that way. I I, I thought the song was very powerful. And uh, you know, you want to hear the weirdest thing about this, too, for me? I was taking a walk about two years ago, and some dude comes up to me, young guy, and he's like, hey, man, he goes, uh, Howard Stern, blah, 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 uh, I'm friends with Billy Joel, I know you are too, and I didn't know who the fuck this guy was, but I was like, you know, I was talking to him, I said, oh, yeah, you're friends with Billy Joel, great, it's, it's beautiful, and I'm, people tell me shit all the time, I don't even know if they're for real. Right. And, uh, yeah, and I'm like, you know, I'm just taking a walk, and I said, oh, great, he says, you know. I was, I, I, I was at Billy's house or something. He goes, I'm real. I'm a, I'm a record producer or something or whatever he is. And he says to me, he's a kid. He looked like he's 15. <laughs> and, and I, and he says to me, I'm trying to get Billy to write a new song with me. And I said, uh, good luck. I said, uh, the, you know, Billy's like dead set against ever writing a new song. He's just not into it. He says he's just done. He goes, No, I'm going over there and I think I could, you know, maybe he'll do it. And I, and he was, I said, and I, mind you, I'm taking a walk. I said, Listen, I gotta go. Good luck with your mission in life. I don't know, you know, who the guy is. Then I Googled him. He told me his name. And sure enough, the guy's some big shot record guy. Ah. Like, like producer, you know, musician. And I didn't hear anything else about it until a couple of days ago when I heard Billy had a new song. Like, the, the guy actually got him. Sit well, that was, a again, song. you
2: know, the first thing I thought about, like I said, I hadn't heard any lyrics to the song, was even making this song was turning the lights back on for Billy. Mm.
3: There Billy, you go. Billy said that Billy said that guy was relentless and, um, you know, got him to enjoy music again and songwriting. There was a, Billy had said something about, it was kind of torturous and he would beat himself up if he didn't write. A, a great song and and it stopped being fun and i believe the song is about relationships like you said but it's also a little bit about him and and getting yes. back into music and it being fun again it really is a, a moving touching song and i'm so glad hey, by the way
1: about this morning on the phone is one of the members of your sales team they want to say something about this meeting that you held using billy joel's song hey hi sir
3: Howard you got to tell this guy to stop with the fucking songs, man. It's relentless. (laughs) Every fucking meeting. I lost a lead client because you were playing the song. It's enough. We sell tampons. We're not curing cancer. Jesus Christ.
1: (laughs) Oh, you guys are tampon salesmen. I didn't realize that. All right, thank
3: you. Extra, super absorbent. The best you'll ever find. You could soak up a lake with these tampons. But Christ, I mean, it's enough with the Kumbaya shit. It's a beautiful... (laughs)
1: <laughs> all right, Joe, there there you go. Good yeah, job. That's
3: my top that's my top salesman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is, at least what I read, Rick Rubin, Clive Davis, and Elton John have all attempted to convince Billy to get back in the studio. So when wow. this guy when this guy shows up on my walk, I was like, Oh, you know, I said, Hey, that'd be awesome. I'd like to hear a new Billy Joel song. Why not? That's right.
3: He but said he said he asked. He said he asked Billy out to his house in the Hamptons, and when Billy got there, Billy said, okay, great, who's going to sing it? And this kid, I forget his name, but the kid said, you are. And he said, me, yeah. and
1: the rest is history. Yep, there you go. All right, Joe, later. Yeah, so uh just uh, as a...
2: Can't wait to hear Billy tell that story. <laughs>